This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today we're going to be talking about three pillars of holistic retirement planning. Now, when you think about retirement planning and when you're talking to financial advisors about retirement planning, almost all of the time, the conversation really is all about money. But the reality is a great retirement is about so much more than just the money. Yes, money definitely plays a part, and yes, money planning is very important when it comes to retirement planning, but that's not the only thing. Having a great retirement really is made up of three key areas. Number one, emotional readiness. Number two, all things health related. And number three is the financial factors. So we're gonna spend some time today talking about looking at retirement planning holistically, more about your whole life than just the money side of things, and dig into those things that really can help you plan for a great retirement experience. So first, let's go ahead and talk about that thing called emotional readiness. This is the area that most people are the most unprepared for. And it's interesting because especially as we look back over this time that we've been in the pandemic, people have begun to see what having more free time is like. People who were close to retirement have begun to see what retirement might feel like a little bit because they haven't been able to go out and do things. They've spent more time at home. They've had more free time that they've had to fill up. And the most common thing that I've heard people say is, I don't know that I am ready to retire. Now, is life in a pandemic indicative of what life in retirement truly would be like? Probably not, because in retirement, you can go out and go do some stuff that maybe you've been restricted from during the pandemic. But the main thing that I want to say is this. In order to transition into retirement, there are a few critical things that I want you to start thinking about to be able to make that transition a lot more comfortable. Number one is, how are you actually going to spend that time? When your honey-do list is done (laughs) and your projects that you've had in the back of your mind that you've wanted to tackle are complete, what are you going to do that helps you feel fulfilled, that helps you feel not bored, that helps you feel like you're a productive human being? Those are some of the things that I hear people say in retirement are missing when they no longer are working. So how can you recreate that feeling doing things you love, feeling more purposeful in retirement when it's not about going to work for a paycheck anymore? Another thing that emotional readiness really ties into is your relationships. So we've in fact done a show before uh, called, Should You Retire at the Same Time as Your Spouse? (laughs) For some people that really works and for some people that totally won't work. So here's some things to be thinking about if you have a partner or if you're married when it comes to your emotional readiness surrounding retirement. First and foremost, if you have been both working and now you're going to retire, you're more likely to be spending loads more time together than you ever have in the past. That could be fantastic or it could be difficult. 
And it might not be the same experience for both of you. <laughs> somebody might find it fantastic and somebody might feel it kind of draining. So how do you and your spouse need to handle this transition so that you can be in sync about how to make it a great experience for both of you? We call this renegotiating the contract. You've had a marriage experience. You've been partnered with somebody for a long term. You know what it's like to be together when you're working. But being together when you're not working for a long period of time can be quite a different thing. So is it time to renegotiate the contract? The most important thing that you can do is just talk about these things. Just have some good open conversations. What does somebody want their day-to-day -day be like? How much alone time does your spouse or partner need in order to really feel good? Because some people are more introverted, they gain their energy, they gain their strengths from having some alone time. And some people are more extroverted, they gain that energy and strength by being around people. So if you have an introvert and an extrovert in a relationship, then all of a sudden retiring and spending more time together could be really good for one person and really detrimental for the other person. And it might not be easy for that person to vocalize that. They don't wanna hurt the one that they love, but they still need that time alone. So having the conversation about how to restructure some of that time so everybody gets what they need is really important to a successful retirement. Another thing that really matters is if one spouse has already retired or has been a stay-at-home uh, person in your relationship and the other person retires, be cognizant of the fact that you are now going to upset the other person's apple cart. <laughs> the person who's already been retired or has been staying home, they have their routines, they have their life, they have the way they have things set up. You being in their space, your needs invading their time that used to be theirs, is going to be a change. So again, the best thing you can do about this to be emotionally ready for the transition is just to talk about it. The last thing I wanna talk about is how to tie some of the hobbies, the goals, the things you wanna be spending time doing according to how you wanna feel to the financial side of retirement. So let me give you an example about this. One of the questions I like to ask people as they're getting to ready to retire is, how do you want to feel during retirement? Now, some people say relaxed, some people say creative, some people say connected, some people say productive. You know, there's all kinds of things that people wanna feel when they are retired. I asked this question to one particular person who was a retiring college art professor, and she told me she wanted to feel connected, creative, and generous, okay? So here's what that meant to her. The connected part was she had three grandchildren who were all living in different places across the United States. As a grandparent, she wanted to be connected to them, which for her meant she wanted to go to her grandchildren's homes once a year to spend some time with them. So from a connected standpoint, if she could spend that time with them, she would feel connected. And then that meant that in her budgeting, in her cash flow plan, I needed to make sure that we allocated money for three trips a year to go see grandchildren. And that's how her feeling of connected tied into her financial side of retirement planning. The next thing she wanted to be was creative. Well, of course, she was an art teacher. So for the creative side, one of the more important pieces for her was that she always have space in which to create. 
So when we were doing planning about downsizing her home, we could downsize to a certain level, but we always had to make certain that there was enough space and enough room in the home that she was living in to accommodate an art studio. The third thing she wanted to feel was generous. And by generous, what that meant was she wanted to give back to her community. She had not had much when she was growing up, and she remembered what it was like to feel hungry. So she spent time volunteering at a local soup kitchen. So the volunteering side was something that was purpose-driven that would help fill some of her time in retirement, but she also wanted to make monetary donations. So what that translated to was making sure that we had some planning in her cash flow in retirement to be able to continue to contribute to the charities that mattered to her. So those are some ways to tie the emotional readiness side of retirement holistically to your overall plan. Now the next topic that I wanna talk about is all things health related. Health in retirement is a huge issue for a couple of reasons. Number one, the whole insurance world changes for you. But number two, as we get older, our health doesn't get better normally. <laughs> it normally starts to go the other direction. We have creaks in areas that didn't creak before. We have pains in areas that didn't hurt before. We start to have things come up and say, oh my gosh, I guess that means we're getting old. <laughs> I know that I have those conversations pretty regularly with my partner. So with that in mind, all things health related, are not just about health insurance, but it is about how to stay healthy. When you think holistically about retirement, when you think about how to have the best retirement experience, creating a level of good health habits as well as good fitness habits ties into that. So from a holistic perspective, when you have more time and you're not working, how can you use some of that time to upgrade your health habits? both fitness-wise and food-wise. Now, on the flip side of that, when it comes to those nasty insurance issues that you have to deal with in retirement, you've really got three big health things to deal with. The first thing is, what are you gonna do about health insurance from the time you retire until you are Medicare age? For some of you, this is an issue, and for some of you who are working beyond age 65, you don't have to worry about that one. The second thing is, how do you learn and begin to navigate the Medicare landscape that you are eligible for when you become 65? And the last thing is, how do you stop a long-term care need, meaning like going to a nursing home facility or something like that? How do you prevent that issue from blowing up your entire retirement plan? Congratulations to Mary Stirk for being named three years in a row to the 2020 Forbes list for Best in State Wealth Advisors and Top Women Wealth Advisors. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today we've been talking about three pillars of holistic retirement planning. We've spent some time on the emotional readiness. We've started to dive into the healthcare side of things and we'll end today with the financial parameters when we talk about holistic retirement planning. Okay, on the health insurance side, I mentioned earlier, there were really three key areas that you have to plan for for retirement planning. If you retire before you're 65, what do you do for health insurance from the time that you retire until you're 65? 
When you become 65 and are eligible for Medicare, how do you begin to navigate the complex world of Medicare? And then finally, if you need to have a long-term chronic health care need taken care of, how do you stop the nursing home cost or the assisted living or home health cost not blow up your retirement plan? So a couple of strategic things that I think are worth noting when you're thinking holistically about your retirement planning. On the health insurance side, if you have been working for someone and you're going to retire before you're 65, you may be eligible for something called COBRA. And COBRA coverage is a continuation of benefits. That's where the COBRA in the COBRA comes from. And COBRA means that when you leave your company, you can extend your health care for possibly up to 18 months. Now, the cost is likely to go up because you're likely to have to cover 100% of the cost. when While you're working, you're only paying a portion of the cost. So you do want to check with your HR department or your benefits department to find out what the cost of COBRA would be to decide if that's in your budget or not. But what it does allow for people who are thinking about retiring and they don't want any kind of gap between when they're working and having health care and then going on Medicare, if COBRA can last for 18 months, then essentially you could retire at 63 and a half, be on COBRA until you're 65 and then go on Medicare and not have any gap to worry about in health care coverage. Now, that's something that's really important to think about. But if you are going to have a gap, let's say you go earlier than 63 and a half, or let's say that you don't have COBRA coverage available, then you do need to plan for some private insurance. And what we tell people to plan for is at least $1,000 per person per month for our health care. I know that is a number that feels like a punch in the gut. It really does. But healthcare is expensive and you gotta go into it with your eyes wide open. The last thing you want is at the very front of your retirement, you don't realize this until too late and you start thinking, oh gosh, I should have kept working. So keep that in mind. Now Medicare is very complex to navigate. There are many moving parts to Medicare. And the best advice that I can give you about Medicare is to spend the time that you need to looking into it. There's many different facets of Medicare. There's different ways that it works and different uh, ages that you might want to start different things. There's also penalties if you don't do it right. Now, I can't explain the Medicare system in two minutes on a show like this, but what I can say is we have past episodes where we've dived into the Medicare complexities and there are people out there who are specialists in the Medicare system, especially at senior centers and things like that around the country that can help answer your questions. Lastly is the dreaded nursing home issue. You know, I don't know anybody who really wants to go to a nursing home, but thank goodness they're there when we're in a situation where we have to go to one. Um, one of the things about the nursing home is nobody really wants to go there and they're hugely expensive. So it's kind of this double whammy of yuckiness. <laughs> but bless the hearts of the people that work there that provide good care. Bless the frontline workers who are spending their time taking care of people and trying to prevent them from getting ill or to help them have a great quality of life throughout everything that's going on right now. But the bottom line is a nursing home stay or an assisted living need 
or having home health care come in is very, very expensive. So when you're thinking holistically about your retirement, what you want to think about is quality of life if you do happen to need a long-term health care issue, you need care during that time. So quality of life might mean having long-term care insurance in order to be able to be in a great facility. Quality of life might mean having insurance coverage to be able to stay home where you want to be for as long as possible and be able to afford home health care. Quality of life might also be thinking about protecting your spouse. Do you need insurance from the standpoint of protecting your spouse if one of you has to go into a nursing home and all of a sudden there's 80000 a year being pulled out of your investment assets? Are you going to leave your surviving spouse short? Are you going to run out of money? Are they going to run out of money if they're healthy and continue to live a long and healthy life? So those are the things to think about holistically when it comes to health issues in retirement. And then that brings us to the financial factors. Now, if you've listened to me before, you've heard me say a number of different times that the financial side of retirement brings with it a new risk, and that is called sequence of returns risk. Sequence of returns risk is all about how your money may react when you start to take money out, okay? So there's a new risk that comes into play that can cause problems in your retirement if not addressed accurately. But there's also this huge, huge paradigm shift in somebody's thinking when it comes to money. And I'm gonna tell you the two things that trip people up the most when it comes to thinking about their money in retirement. The first thing that trips people up is that you no longer have to save for retirement when you're in retirement. <laughs> the reason this trips people up is because people have been saving their entire lives for that rainy day, for that retirement, for the future. At this point in life, when you retire, this is ingrained in you that you're supposed to be saving for some far off future date. And when that date arrives and you can stop saving for it, it doesn't feel right. It feels like you're missing out on doing something. It feels like you're doing something wrong. So stop saving for retirement in retirement is a big mental paradigm shift that people have to make. The second thing though that trips people up even more is getting okay with actually spending some of that retirement money. And the reason from a holistic emotional standpoint that that is so difficult for people is because again, your whole life, that's been money you're not supposed to touch. That's for later, that's for the future, that's for down the road. Not supposed to touch that. And when it comes time to touch that, because now you've gotten down the road, now you've gotten to that magical retirement place, now it's time to start using that money and it feels like you're making a mistake. It feels like you're doing something wrong. It feels like you're putting your hand in the cookie jar and it's gonna get slapped. <laughs> So there's a big paradigm shift that people have to make emotionally about their retirement money, getting used to the idea that now the purpose of that money is shifted and now it's okay to actually start to use it. All right, so what should you be thinking about from a financial standpoint? Well, we talk a lot on this show about how to align the purpose of your money and the time frame in which you're gonna spend it with the way that you invest it. 
And now that the purpose of this money is shifting to where you are going to use some of it, that means it's likely that you're going to need to have a shift in how it's invested. So we like the bucket planning approach. We like having some money in retirement in a soon bucket, which is money you're likely to use sooner versus later. The soon bucket we look at as money you may spend in the next 10 years. So when we're doing financial planning for people, we help them figure out how much are you likely to spend in the next 10 years, and then we figure out how to position that in a soon bucket where that money is not so subject to a lot of market risk and fluctuation. It's invested in a more conservative way because the goal is to take income out of the soon bucket to live on during this next 10-year period. But then that lets everything else that you have invested be in a later bucket. A later bucket is something we don't expect you to touch and use for probably another 10 years or more. A later bucket might actually never be spent. It might be money that goes down to your heirs or your family or to charity. But the later bucket, if it's not going to be utilized in the next 10 years or so, probably can be more of a growth-oriented type of risk, something more moderate or moderately aggressive if you're comfortable with that. The reason that we segregate it like that is because we want to make sure that the risk in the money is aligned with the time frame in which you're going to potentially use it because the last thing we want to do is have a big market correction or a big market downturn all of a sudden shrink the pool of money that you're taking from because that is where that sequence of returns risks that I told you about earlier, that's where that one can come out and just bite you. So I hope this has been helpful as you're thinking about your retirement, thinking about it holistically. And I hope this has helped you see how, although financial and health-related and emotional decisions are all part of retirement planning, it is more than just about the money. It's how you set up all of these things in order to have the best possible life. So thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can ensure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. Insurance offered through Sterk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated. Neither Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated nor its representatives provide tax or legal advice. You should consult a qualified attorney or tax professional to answer your specific questions. Stirk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dune, South Dakota, 57049, and can be reached at 605-217-3555. Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisors list includes 10 recipients per state. The award is based on qualitative and quantitative data. Rating thousands of wealth advisors with a minimum of seven years of experience and weighing factors like revenue trends, assets under management, compliance records, industry experience, and best practices. The award is not based on portfolio performance or client reviews. There is no fee in exchange for rankings. 
Third-party rankings and recognitions are no guarantee of future investment success and do not ensure that a client or prospective client will experience a higher level of performance or results. These ratings should not be construed as an endorsement of the advisor by any client nor are they representative of any one client's evaluation.